Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro, your host. For this is Sports Zone, recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. Of course, we are rebroadcast and redistributed throughout throughout all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for joining us, no matter how you join us, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. And we got a lot to talk about tonight. Eric Tressler's here right off the uh, top. Eric, how you doing there? Uh, the ghost of Jason Garrett's doing, uh, wondering what kind of decisions were made, but uh, I'm doing uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we will obviously get in all that. We do have a full week. Super wild card weekend was the title of this weekend. Super wild card. And we definitely, there's a few fan bases that definitely did not feel it was all that super. Uh, we'll get into that. Dave Hastings will be joining us in a matter of moments here, but we do have to welcome to the program Eric Pfeiffer's here. Eric, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I got my new headset on. I'm hoping I sound a little better. Can you hear me? You do sound really good. You do sound really good. Sounds I still, better. Can you hear the breathing? I did not hear any breathing. No, I did not. You, you're very good there. This fuzzy thing is magical. <laughs> nice, nice. I still maintain you were not really like you were you were a little upset about the way you sounded last week. And I just remember thinking you didn't sound that bad last week. But, you know what it is? I get so into what I'm saying that I let out yeah. a big breath out of my nose when I'm done. Yeah. And then you can hear that every time. And it's like like you said, like I'm going through a wind tunnel and I didn't think it was a big deal till I actually listened to a show. There was a difference between the wind tunnel and you merely using it for pacing. And if I thought it was going a little more the wind tunnel road, yeah, I would throw a little thing in. But when you had been doing it the last couple of weeks, I felt like it was more of a pacing thing. So I was just like, all right, I had kind of gotten used to it. But that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. No, we're here to talk about football. Like I said, the wild card, the super wild card weekend was this weekend. We have six teams moving on to the field of eight, and we'll get into all this because Dave Hastings is here tonight. Dave, how you doing? Is the show over yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not over. We got a few more minutes to go here. So <laughs> let's let's get into this. Like, all right, Cincinnati beat Las Vegas. Buffalo dominated New England in a near-perfect game. Tampa Bay dominated Philadelphia like we knew they would. Kansas City unfortunately destroyed Pittsburgh in Ben Roethlisberger's probable last game. And the Rams dominated the Cardinals last night. But that's not where we're going to start the show, obviously, obviously. So we have to talk about the Dallas Cowboys game against the San Francisco 49ers. The first playoff meeting of these two teams since 1995, January 1995, I believe. And the Niners did pull out a 23-17 victory in a game where if you watched, if you had paid attention to the first half, San Francisco basically had their way with the Cowboys in the first half. Third quarter, it looked like Dallas may make a little headway, but not really. It still kind of looked like the same. And then in the fourth quarter, Dallas's offense did show up. 
They made the game close uh, with about five minutes remaining. They scored to pull within six. They get the ball back. Cedric Wilson, the ball goes off his fingertips with about a minute to go on a fourth and long. And at that point, we kind of thought the game was over. But then, no, the Cowboys get the ball back with under a minute to go. They're going down the field. They're marching down the field 10-10-10. And then with 14 seconds left, for some unsplicable reason, we see a draw play. Dak Prescott runs up the middle for 14 yards, 13 yards. And then, for some reason, he seems to forget that you have to hand the ball to the official. And time runs out. That's the end of the game. And here we are. It is still over 20 years since the Cowboys made 25 since the Cowboys have made it not only to a conference championship, but you know how it goes there. So, Dave, I will let you begin because I know you were watching this game. You were in the moment. Go ahead. All right. First and foremost, Eric, I freaking think that may be the funniest name you've ever had. Um, so props <laughs> to you on that one, my friend. Um, Thank you, sir. So there's a lot of reasons Dallas lost this game. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of reasons. Um, th that final play is obviously the most talked about reason due to the fact that it was the final play of the game. Dak Prescott slides, you know, four yards earlier. There's enough time. Ball gets spiked. They get a chance for a Hail Mary. Who the hell knows what happens with that? At the same time, Greg Zerline's missed so many extra points this year. It's not like I would have been confident in him to make the extra point and win the game, and they may have ended up in overtime. Um, but to come out and start the game down 13 nothing to have your first offensive play be a run that lost three yards, um, to have each one of your offensive linemen give up a minimum of two pressures. Each one gave up a sack. Um, all told, Dallas gave up 20 pressures and five sacks. Um, they averaged less than three yards per carry. Um, I, I mean, the, the list kind of goes on and on and on. The defense definitely started slow. Um, I think it was, you know, Dan Quinn and that defense definitely adjusted well and really kind of, you know, slowed down San Francisco's offense after that first, you know, quarter, uh, quarter and a half. Um, but, you know, clock management, poor usage of your timeouts, poor offensive, play, offensive line play, poor decision making at the end. I mean, when it's really all said and done as a Cowboys fan, it really just feels like a broken record at this point. Um, you know, and when you could say that after 20 years, like, I don't, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. It doesn't matter who your coach is. It doesn't matter who your coordinators are. It doesn't matter how many, you know, quote unquote, superstars you have on your offense or on your defense. It really, to me, always starts at the top. Um, and you know, it, it's something that the, the Jones family really needs to kind of look, look themselves in the mirror and figure out where, where are they going wrong? What are they doing wrong? Um, and that, you know, it does go across the board from top to bottom, um, you know, and, and sadly as a Cowboys fan to me, you know, by the time the next season gets here, it'll be that typical, you know, going around in circles of getting excited though, you know, most likely still be arguably the best team in the division. Uh, they'll lose to the teams that are going to make the playoffs. They'll get to the playoffs and they'll probably lose their first playoff game, maybe win one playoff game and then lose the next playoff game. 
So, mm. you know, when it's all said and done, though, you watch that game. And, you know, the one thing about Dallas, especially this year, that I think has been blatantly obvious is that you knew in basically every game they played, uh, whether they were going to win or lose before by the time the first quarter was over. And that held true in this game as well. Um, you know, obviously you hold on to hope as a fan and you keep watching and you keep rooting for your team. But by the end of that first quarter, I was I was pretty confident Dallas was going to lose. And, you know, they, they are the only team to lose this weekend that lost by a single possession. They are also the only team to lose this weekend that was the home team. Every other home team won. So yeah. take that for whatever the hell you want to take All the other favorite teams, which I got a Tim, I got a Tim Foyle hat theory about that too. Uh, um. It, it kind of is a little bit funny to me that the game that was most bet on, which is that Cowboy game, is the only game to lose because – or the only game where they lost, the, the favorite lost, because, to be honest, that, that was the most bet on game. So, the, to have the Cowboys lose, Vegas made up the money they lost on all the other games. The Look, books made I, up the money will, on, the, on the Cowboy game. I can definitely sit here and say there were some calls that – either weren't made uh, that didn't go in Dallas's favor or that I thought were a little questionable that went against Dallas. But when you paid attention to the whole game, you could say the same thing for San Francisco. Um, I can't even, you know, there have been some games Dallas lost this year where I blatantly was like, yo, the refs fucked them. Um, but we know at the end of the game, like Mike, how you started the segment off, you know, and you, if you don't know, then your ass should not be making 40 million a year and your ass should be sitting on a bench or not even in the league you know the ref has to touch the ball. Do I have a problem with the fact that the ref was 15 yards downfield when Dak slid? Yeah, that kind of bothers me. When it's all said and done, though, the guy's 60 years old. I can't like, – what am I supposed to fucking say? Um, but, yeah, this, this was actually a game they lost where I can't even blame the refs. I really – I'd love to. I would love to point the finger at somebody other than the Cowboys, but – the, the 49ers came out, punched them in the mouth, and Dallas stumbled to get back on their feet. And by the time they got back on their feet, it was just too late. And, and that's that. They, they, San Francisco was the better team, and the better team won. Were the refs good in any game this weekend? That's the bigger question with the refs, because we have big problems with the, ref, with the referees in the NFL, in my opinion, right now. This is what they brought out for, for super wild card. It sounds so stupid to even say that. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the extra wild card weekend. And this is the best, the best cruise they brought out. I, I got to be honest. This is some very, very disappointing officiating across can the I, board. I mean, I, in almost I, all the games, yeah, there were questionable calls. Can I ask a question though? Because uh, listen, we know the refs are terrible. We know whether we well, they screwed whether, the Raiders. Well, hang on, hang on a second. Let me just say this: we know the refs are involved in the game way more than they should. The old adage was the best refs, the best umpires, no matter what star, are are seen, not heard, and they get involved all the time. When do we start to put some accountability? on the players being smart enough to recognize that, hey, these refs don't know what the hell they're doing, and they're going to look for any excuse to get involved. Maybe we should take a little onus on ourselves and take the game out of the refs' hands and try to actually be accountable here because some of those penalties that the Cowboys got called on, I I'm sorry, Connor Williams is not a starting, uh, a starting lineman in this league. And you can look up and down. Yeah, there were some questionable calls, but some of it, at some point, you got to be smart enough to recognize that you can't let the refs 
dictate things like that. The Dak thing, especially, c- come on, you're old enough. You know the rule there. You want to get on the ref, like Dave said, 60-year-old man, yeah, should have got down the field a little quicker, should have been a little more on reaction time there. You know it's going to be bang, bang. All right, fine. But at no, some point, we hold call. the players yeah. accountable. I can care less about the ref running 15 yards. It was a stupid play call. Yeah. Dumb. No, I agree. If anything, if anything, and you want to get that chunk of yardage, you could have thrown an out route. You could have thrown anything. And I get it. They were defending the sidelines. But there were other uh, – listen, I would have rather taken a shot that way at the sideline and then mm. know that I still have two shots at the end zone from the 40 and the guy I'm paying $40 million to should be able to throw the ball 40 yards downfield. Uh, I'm going to take my two shots at the end zone because you still have time on the clock. He, he wasted so much time and so many – you know, so many other possessions they could have had. That that's my bigger issue. I, I get the, I care less about the ref not getting there because to be honest, well, go they back didn't have enough my... time. They didn't mm-hmm. have enough time anyway. It's like in basketball. You know you have to have at least 0.6 on the clock to be able for to get a catch and shoot. You cannot inbounds the ball with anything less than that and get a shot off. It's impossible. Uh so you you know what the timing is in, in football. By the time you get to that level where you're starting NFL quarterback, you know how much time you need to get your to get everything set and spiked. And from everything I've heard today, from every single person I heard from, it sounds like that number is 17 seconds. Dak had to know looking at the clock, he wasn't gonna have enough time to spike it. It's the bigger sure issue of the play call to me than it is him actually getting down the field because I don't even think if the ref was there and he handed the ball to the ref instead of the center, they were getting that off. Wasn't going to happen. Was not enough time left on the clock. Mm. I mean, besides that, the initial point I was making, I don't know if you guys got any other response to that one. Dave? No, I, I mean, look, that the only way that play even would have worked is if Dak slid about five yards sooner and then they would have had enough time to spike the ball. But even then, when it's all said and done, he still should have known to get down sooner because, like Eric said, you need a certain amount of time for the ref to get there, spot the ball, get your players in, in position so that you can spike the ball and have that one last heave to the end zone. But, again, even if they got that play, even if they got the spike and had that one last heave, it's a fucking Hail Mary. Like, there's no guarantee that's a catch anyway. There's no guarantee they're able to tie the game. That game was lost well before that play. It's just that play is going to be the one remembered because they didn't get a chance to try and win the game. Yeah, I mean, their chance was that final drive where Dak makes the unbelievable throw on fourth and long, and Wilson dives and it goes off his fingertips. That was really the series where if they were going to win it, that would have been it. They would have had... Three shots at the end zone from the 40. They would have had three plays. Before Dak took off running, they had enough time on the clock to get three legitimate plays off that could have reached the end zone. It was third and one. There's two plays in. Two plays. They had plenty of time to get two plays. And if you, all you need to do is pick up the first down and get out of bounds, you could have sent somebody on a route to do that. It the all, it all, since they were playing, there were yeah. holes. Uh, outside and it, of going to the end zone where they had four guys in the end zone. I know they had a couple up the sidelines, but you could have ran a route. You could have done something to get out of bounds and get a first down if that's what you need to do. But even still, two two shots at the end zone is better than no shots at the end zone. And if you look at the way they were moving down the field before that. They were chopping them up. I, yeah, I I tend to agree with that, actually. 
Yeah. Fife, you want to get in? I mean, I personally think a, a quick out to a guy like Dalton Schultz, he would have been able to get that yard they needed or a couple more and get out of bounds. Um, I will say with the limited time, the play call was moronic. I agree with you there. Um, I will say with the limited time, I mean, they almost got the spike. Part of that you have to put on the offensive line. Like if, if you like I watched it a bunch of times. Uh, they all lined up, and that ref, he was trying his damnedest to get to that ball, and he got blocked by their own O-line. And when he snapped the ball, when they snapped the ball, the clock just went to zero. So all the offensive linemen had to do was get out of the way, let them touch it, put it back. Probably wouldn't have happened anyway. They probably didn't have enough time. But there's a lot more people that that falls on than, than just Dak Prescott, in my opinion. Like the coaching staff, it falls on Dak for not getting down sooner. Um, again, you got a guy like Dalton Schultz who catches just about everything you throw at him. And he, they're giving you that cushion that thir- on third and one, he could have got that. And then they could have had the three plays to the end zone, like Eric was saying. So that's just, there's a lot of people that that falls on. And I, I don't think I could put that on the ref. And I think he might've been just as surprised by Dak scampering down the field as everybody else was. Uh, it could have been a reason why he was a little lagged behind. I mean, I know it's his job to keep up with the play and be on it, but it was surprising to see. Mm-hmm. Now, my other question is, when there's you're a, that deep and there's that not that much time on the clock, why would you even try to spike it for one play? Why would Dak not just keep going up the center as far as he could and then try try some, you know, hook and ladder nonsense? Try some, you know, st- you know, Stanford band on the field, Music City Miracle shit to happen, you know? Like, start flipping the ball around, do something. But to end up into where you just slide and run out of time, I mean, it's... It's almost comically bad. You, you, it's, you didn't even give yourself a chance to win the game. Oh, it is comically bad. It's not almost comically bad. It is comically bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, over the last – you think of some of their losses. The Dez caught it, didn't catch it. The the Romo, you know, the Romo fumble on, on the uh, field goal attempt against Seattle. Oh, you God, got I this, forgot about that. Uh, you got 30 to nothing against Green Bay. I mean – Again, like I said, at this point, over 20-plus years of issues, I don't care who the coaching staff is. I don't care who's your quarterback. I don't care who's your all-star, superstar player. I don't give a shit who they are. Their issues start all the way at the top, and until Jerry and and his his family figure it out, they're going to continue to be this kind of team. And they don't give a – they'll sell their merchandise. They still sell out their stadium. They still, you know, have but see, that's where I disagree. I really do think Jerry gives it in. Like I oh, think I Jerry wants to win. He doesn't He's give. He's got enough money. I don't think it's about the money for Jerry. Like I think there's certain owners out there where, don't get me wrong, it is a billion. And trust me, overall as a shield, they're all about the money. But Jerry has a lot of money. Jerry's okay. Jerry's Jerry's gonna be Jerry. But I, I think Jerry just wants to prove that he could win again. I think Jerry really is trying to put a winner out there trying to do what he needs to do but for whatever reason it's just not working out and they keep they keep having these issues and i know that he's a loyal dog and he's a loyal guy and that's what made him hold on to garrett for so long and i know that's why he's got an affliction for kellen moore or whatever but i i I hope that you know they could see that the offense was bad and Oh, yeah, you, yeah, uh, Eric, you hit the mute on yourself there. You're good yeah, now. My back, my back. Yeah, yeah no, no, I was just saying that. I just, you know, that was, I think that 
that's what's holding him back is his loyalty to certain guys and to certain people. And, you know, until he gets rid of that, it's hard to really do that. I, I, cause I honestly look at it as if they're not even sure if they're going to keep McCarthy, but I think that that's only partially true is because if they want to find out if Kellen Moore is going to get offered a job somewhere else. And I think if yep. he gets offered a job somewhere else, they may get rid of McCarthy and offer him the job. Otherwise, if he doesn't get offered something somewhere else, I could see them, you know, keeping the status quo there. Well, I, I'll add one more thing, because I do think Jerry cares about winning. Like, obviously, he, he's a money maker. He cares about the money. But I think the problem is, if you look at his history with the Cowboys, I think he waited way too long to start hiring the right people, football people, in terms of player development and then other parts of the team, because we've talked about the Cowboys drafts and everything. They've been really good the last 10 years. You look at the drafts after Jimmy Johnson left up till about 10 years ago. And for the most part, except for the one that Parcells had that started off with the Marcus Ware and Marcus Beers, they've been, they were absolute trash. And I think he waited too long to really correct that. And unfortunately, now we're kind of status quo, humdrum, you know, same old song and dance that we've all gotten used to, to the point where when something like this happens, it's just the latest in a long line. I don't know, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but. Uh, I mean, but I, it, until he fires himself as GM, I don't believe he cares enough about winning. Mm. I think um, as a non-Dallas Cowboys or San Francisco 49ers fan, I am happy um, that that one of the best non-conference um, rivalries in sports might have been reignited by this. Um, that's always It was always fun to watch back then. Uh, I watched the NFL Network. Um, they did a whole documentary on the Niners and Cowboys, like the history of the two teams coming up. It was re- very well done, and uh, I really enjoyed it. When Jerry bought the team – Dallas uh, as a city was floundering just like their football team. And he looked at Jimmy Johnson and said, man, wouldn't it be cool if, if, if the team and the city could rise together, which they did. So he also, even though he's from Arkansas, he has a love for the city of Dallas. Um, so hopefully, you know, for you guys, for your sake, as Cowboy fans, he makes those steps and, and brings in the right people. It's just, it sounds a lot like what we're looking at as giant fans. Like we just want our ownership to make the right moves and right decisions. And, um, you know, you guys are well ahead of the game. I think before Dak retires, he wins a Super Bowl, uh, unfortunately, as a Cowboy. I just think he's that good, and I think he's going to learn. He learns from these things, you know. And as soon as he learns to not put the weight of the world on his shoulders and that he has teammates around him, it's that's my opinion, is just that – Sometimes when the weight of the world's on him in a game, he starts to short arm his throws a little bit or he overthrows or he makes some bad decisions. Um, so I think once he figures all that out and just goes with it and, and takes the game for what it is, um, I mean, think about it. If they get a better start, they're probably going to win that game. So they just got to come out of the gates their next playoff game. They're going to be back um, next year. They have the team. They have the pieces. They have quite possibly the best defensive prospect I've ever seen uh, in a long time, I think Micah Parsons is going to be the real deal for them for a long time. So, uh, you know, they have the pieces. It's just a matter of getting the guys to, to make the right plays. And you'll see, I think they're going to, they're going to do it eventually. It might not be next year. It might not be the year after, but it's going to happen. 
uh, to kind of piggyback off that a little bit because you know it, it's funny dave was the one who brought it up first about being kind of numb to all this i have the the dual horror of being cowboy fan and a met fan so you know seen a lot of heartbreaking disappointment i look at this team i look at this season and they do have a lot to look forward to in the future. I do think there are things they can add to this because you have two of the best young defensive players in football right now in Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. You add a couple more difference makers to that. I would add someone in the middle. You look at the defense as a whole. It was historically bad that last year. This year, I'd say it was more middle of the pack than that. So you still got some work to do there. And you add one more core offensive lineman to that team, and I think you know they could do something. I'm not going to say but anything. To do all that though. What's their cap but, space like? I mean, how many more years? They're going to have to with that tell terrible Zeke contract. They're, um, stu- they're stuck with it next year. After that, they can get out of it. I'm interested to see how they draft this year because again, they draft well. So I'm wondering exactly. If- so you got Pollard. I'd let Zeke go after next year. I'll be honest. I'm a Giant fan, and I do not want them to re-sign Saquon Barkley for big money. I, don't I think love you're pick coming out. I am not saying that I was one of those people saying they shouldn't have drafted him because I'm sitting here telling you I think they should have drafted Saquon with the number two pick at the time. But the team didn't turn into what it was supposed to, and he hasn't turned into quite what he was supposed to. So I'm okay with the Giants letting him walk after next year, too. I don't think you're alone there. I don't think you're alone there. But, yeah, I mean. Mike, I, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm one of the biggest Saquon Barkley fans out there. I have a Penn State Saquon Barkley jersey. I have a, a, a Giant Saquon Barkley jersey. I attribute that to the fact this is the reason why the guy keeps getting injured is because I have his jersey. I generally only get retired players' jerseys. Mm. Um well, yeah, you know, where, where's, a, the lucky, where's the lucky tiki, right? I mean, there was nothing. I, you know, I wore it every weekend. Uh, even through all this crap and turmoil, I wore it every weekend. But there was no m- amount of – and he's not even my favorite giant. It just happened to be the lucky tiki, man. It, it was there for some deep playoff runs. It was there when they they played against the Ravens uh, that one year, and I think it was 2000. I accidentally wore an Armstead jersey over it, and that's why they lost that Super Bowl. Uh, but then I wore just a Lucky Tiki jersey for the next two Super Bowls, and you saw it happen. But there was no amount of Lucky Tiki jersey that could have got can get them out of the situation that they're in right now. There's a big shakeup that needs to happen. I'm looking into hoping that my Lawrence Taylor jersey becomes lucky, or possibly getting a Michael Strahan jersey. <laughs> All right, fair enough there, Dave. You got anything you want to add before we close this out and move on? Can I suggest an Eli jersey? Just throw that in a mix, too. Nothing wrong with an Eli jersey now that he's retired. I think I would go with that chain he got from Snoop first. Uh, I've never really been a guy who buys quarterback jerseys. Enough people buy those. (laughs) Fair enough. Dave, you got anything to close it out? Um, uh, In all honesty, I am just happy that this should be the last experience of the offseason that I have to talk about Dallas shit in the bed for the 26th season in a row. <laughs> yeah. We'll just, get to 27 next year. Just be happy you don't pay attention to baseball. Anyway, um, we'll move on here. 
I guess, I, Eric, you set it up earlier, so we'll start on that. Cincinnati gets its first playoff win in over 30 years over the Raiders. And you you guys were saying, I know you guys were watching it live there, uh, the impact the referees had on that game. So I'll let you start there. I think he's talking to you, uh, Eric. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, no, yeah. I mean, you could tell right there in the Cincinnati game, Joe Burrow, well, they, they, that shouldn't have been a touchdown. Shouldn't have been a touchdown. What play are you talking about? He was, I believe, over the line of scrimmage when he threw a touchdown pass. And they, like, blew the whistle but didn't blow the whistle. And they ended up counting the touchdown. And touchdown never should have counted. Okay. Anybody well, I mean, else see that play? Hey, though, the whistle doesn't go off until after he throws the ball. But still, that play should have never have happened. I didn't, listen, he should have, regardless of whether he threw the ball or not, he was over the line when he threw it. That's his the penalty. Feet, that's what his, he said. That's what it shouldn't have counted. He wasn't over the line of scrimmage. He was. Uh, they, they thought that he had stepped out of bounds, which he did not. Whatever, and they blew, whatever it was. They, right, and they blew the whistle. Um, what happened was, what I think happened was, I mean, the guy was wide open in the end zone. It should have been a touchdown without that whistle. But once that whistle blows, that negates the play. It's non-reviewable, which I'm sure they're going to fix. There's always something they fix in the offseason. Uh, it's a non-reviewable play, but it should. But because of what the call they made on the field, when they huddled up, I think they said, look, I accidentally blew the whistle, but it was a clean play. I don't think I should have blown the whistle. And that's what happened. I mean, Without that whistle, it was, it was a big mistake by the referee blowing the whistle in the first place. Um, and then when they huddled and they talked about it for a while, I, I would imagine that that's what went on in the conversation. He said, you know, I should have never blown the whistle, but I did. And right then and there, as soon as that happened, the play should have been dead. And they replay the down or whatever the case may be, or they lose the down. Um, it would have been a touchdown without that whistle. And that whistle should have never been blown in the first place. But because it was blown, like I said, they should have shut the play down right there. Yeah, they should have. And it shouldn't have counted. And that was the difference in the ball game. Now, is this the pass to the tight end or this was to Tyler Boyd? I think it was the one to Tyler Boyd. Boyd. Yeah, Boyd. Ooh. And that's the one that basically put the game out of reach because they were don't. Yeah. They were only up 13 to six before that. That's why it was a big difference maker. But the refs blew calls all weekend long. It was pathetic. It, it's, I mean, and granted, maybe there's more cameras on them now than ever before. Maybe there's more shit going on than ever before. But at the same time, like, you got to get this stuff right and you got to do it the right way. And to me, it, the refs are blowing these games and how can you trust anybody moving forward? Like what referees would you take from this weekend where you're like, I want them. I want to see them officiate the next game. The uh, guys who, the guys who officiate the Alabama Georgia game. I won't that's argue. Funny. That's funny. Again, but they won't take the NCAA people. No, they I should. know. It was, more, it was, a, it was like a, a half joke, half serious comment. You know what I mean? But, like, even so, like, super wild card weekend. Like, did they really think that was going to make more people watch putting super in front of it? Like, that's so Dude, ridiculous. How stupid is that? I mean, come on. Like, I, like that. No, I want to know what creative genius in the NFL office said, wait, guys, guys, I know the name of the weekend. I'm, I'm telling you, this is the winner right here. 
super wild card weekend. And then I just want to squeeze this in because I got to leave in about three minutes. I, I got a game tonight, but I just want to squeeze this in. To me, it was laughable to see uh, Roger Goodell uh, patting himself on the back on the Manning cast in week 18 because they had some decent games that meant something by adding the extra week and adding the extra playoff team. But then you get to the where it counts, and that's the playoffs. And you had what? Maybe two watchable games all weekend? Yeah, it was awful. It was god awful. It was it was as you know. Yeah, it was bad. It was, that's all you could say about it. Every game was practically a blowout, right? I mean, every primetime game was a blowout anyway. Did you guys see the clip? Because uh, I guess what was it? Aikman and Buck had the Tampa Bay Philadelphia game, and at halftime they're talking about the Cowboy Niner game. And Aikman is visibly pissed off that he didn't get to call that game. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Well, well, he I didn't just... get the, that's because CBS paid, I think it was like 70 or I forget whether it was 70 or $40 million just for that game. Mm. Can I just say uh, Troy Aikman should take a page out of Tony Romo's book because I had a game that, that Sunday night. I only got to see the end of the game. But I'll tell you what, Tony Romo, being a former Dallas Cowboy, called that game about as impartial as you could. And I respect him as an analyst. I don't respect him as a Dallas Cowboy quarterback. I respect him as an analyst for doing that. He showed no – in my from what I got to see and hear, he showed no signs of any type of homer or anything like that. You would not be getting that from Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So maybe Troy Aikman should have sat down, watched that game, listened to Tony Romo, and taken some fucking notes. Not only that, but did anybody hear Drew Brees this weekend? He wasn't that great either. I, gotta be I, honest, I was a little I disappointed in, in, in Brees. I have not heard anything good about Drew Brees as a commentator. It's just sad because the guy was an unbelievable quarterback. Yeah, I know yeah. he could break down a game, but for some reason, I guess for not everybody, it doesn't translate to TV. And I mean, Fife hit it on the nail on the head there that. You you can't get a more partially called game than a Aikman Buck Cowboy game like that is that's going to be called so one sided. You might as well just turn on the turn on the home team's you know uh, announcers. It, it, it's ridiculous. They are they are homers. So I can't I can't sit here and, and say anything else. I think he, he nailed them right on the head. And well, I gotta, I, mean, get, I gotta get moving here, but uh, Mike, I think I don't know if he's still there. I just saw it uh, five. Nah, minutes I let him in. I let him okay. in. Yeah, you, right. buddy, right. Tim. Yeah, he's yeah. he's Hi, Tim. Yeah, Tim asked. He didn't know that uh, Eric and I have known Tim for a long time, uh, and um, he asked if the show was still going on because he saw Eric or whoever posted the Sports Zone post today. That had um, to have been Eric. I that believe it was. Yeah, so he saw it, that. It, it was. It and was. he was yeah. excited. I had to he make was excited to call on and listen. But um, I'm gonna jet. <laughs> And, um, you know, Tim's there listening. And uh, so thanks for tuning in, Tim. Really appreciate it. And thanks, guys, for having me. I will text my picks. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, Schmelrose's picks to you um, by the end of the night tonight for the games. And uh, I think Schmelrose won the Super Wild Card Weekend as well. Uh, Schmelrose actually tied with me. Uh, five and one, we both went. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, uh, Eric Pfeiffer, everybody. Thanks a lot, Fife. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'll catch, catch you next you week. Soon. Yep. See you next week. All right. Uh, we'll keep going, though. I guess any besides the refs, any other thoughts on the, the Vegas-Cincinnati game? I mean, good for Cincinnati. 
finally pulling it off. 32 years, long time. Eh. Eh? Like, eh. Like, the Bengals are like an eh team. Like, you're like, all right, good for them. But, like, eh. Like, I I don't know. They don't – I don't think that's a Super Bowl winning team. I still think, like, I've thought most of the year, it's, you know, a a couple horse race. And really, I mean, I think it's going to come down to Tennessee and probably Kansas City. Two of them. They're, they're probably the two best out there by far, head and shoulders, in my opinion, especially when Tennessee get, is getting uh, Derrick Henry back. I mean, makes, <laughs> makes them look ridiculous. So, well, I, I mean, you can put Buffalo in there, too, because of the way Buffalo played. But I think all three of those teams are a step up from where the Bengals are, and I expect the Bengals to get the crap kicked out of them this weekend or at least lose pretty, lose pretty handily. That's my that's my take on it. Listen, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I I don't know that we know what condition Henry's going to come back in this weekend, and without him, Tennessee's been very Jekyll and Hyde this season. So yeah, I think I think Titans are going to win it. I don't know, man. If they, if Bengals get off to a hot start, though, they can at least make a game out of it. Dave, what do you say? You might be right. Listen, you might be right. Maybe you take them, and maybe they do win, but. I just look at this as I, I don't I, I didn't look at that team watching that game going, this is a team that wow, I think they could win a Super Bowl. The mm. rest of those three teams in the AFCs, when you watch them play this weekend, you were or, well not two of them anyway, because you didn't see Tennessee. But when you watch Kansas City play and to see the beat down they put down on Pittsburgh, and you look at what the Bills were able to do to New England. They look head and shoulders above the Cincinnati getting a little lucky there with a late call and, and, and winning a game by a touchdown. I, again, I didn't necessarily disagree. I was just making that point. I get what you're saying now. Dave, what do you say? Uh, I still think Cincinnati is the most, uh, is the scariest team in the playoffs. I just think due to, like I said, with the fact that they have, Nothing other than themselves to believe, uh, believing in them, and nobody thinks they have a chance. And they're all young, and nobody on the teams. I, I don't think nobody on the team, other than maybe like five guys, um, has ever even played in a playoff game before last weekend. Um, a young head coach that definitely has the the trust and you know will of of his teammates. Um, I just think Cincinnati is, is is the scariest team. Now, with that said, when we get the game picks, I think you, uh, I'll end up going a different route. But you know, I do think Cincinnati is a team that they, they just they ha- they have all the the wrong, but the best of the wrong pieces you could ask for when it comes down to inexperience and those types of things. So. Um, yeah, I think I think Cincinnati's a team. They're gonna. I think they'll compete with any of the teams that are left. That doesn't mean I think they'll beat them. Um, but then again, you also gotta keep in mind, no matter who the Raiders played, it basically was always a close game. Even if they pulled ahead, yeah. fell behind, didn't matter. Uh, they were basically the cardiac kids all year long. And I still say I, I don't think he's going to get it because he obviously came in like halfway through the season. I would pick the Raiders head coach uh, for head coach of the year. Oh no, Just, it's got to it's got to be Vrabel. I think Vrabel's Vrabel will probably win it. If I had a vote, though, I would at least throw an honorary vote into that guy 
because that team could have floundered a long time ago. It, it takes it takes special someone to be able to galvanize everybody the way he was able to do it and lead them to at least the first week of the playoffs, which is farther than anybody thought they were going to. I couldn't so. agree more with either of those two choices. I think both are excellent choices for coach of the year. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest. Like it's to me, it's hard because, like you said, the adversity that Breshka and like that whole team went through all year to pull them through, get a playoff berth, keep them fighting is unbelievable. But then on the other side, you look at what Vrabel did, and Vrabel did it for half the year without his best player, sure, and without arguably one of the league's top players. So to do that and still not only win that division, but to take first place overall in the AFC and home field advantage and all that, all, all that comes with it, the first round by and everything else to keep his team as focused as they were to keep a guy like Tannehill on track to win that many games without having a Henry in the backfield. It, it really shows Vrabel maybe, and I hate to say, cause I don't want to be the kiss of death here, but, he may be the best branch out of that Belichick coaching tree. They all they usually seem to die off pretty quick, those branches. But they, his seems to be pretty strong and healthy right now. Um, so I, I got to say that he, he's doing a hell of a job down there. And I guess maybe it's because I think he never actually coached under Belichick, right? He only played under him. Maybe I think it was you. Who said, yeah, I think it was you who said it for the first time that he wasn't. He is because he played with them for a long time. But yeah, I don't think he was actually a position coach or anything. No, but yeah. So I mean, I but I couldn't agree more with the two people that you guys just chose there to be coach of the year because the, the unbelievable jobs they did this season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll keep moving here. Uh, yeah, obviously. I, I don't know if shock is the right word, but definitely the way they went about it is a shock. The way Buffalo just utterly dominated New England, and outside of a blocked extra point, they basically played a perfect game of football, scoring on every possession that they had, and no turnovers, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I'll let you guys chime in on this one. Boring. Boring? They did great, but it was a a boring game. It was an absolute ass-kicking that wasn't even worth watching. It really was. It was. It wasn't a fun game to watch unless you were a Buffalo Bill fan, uh, and that's just the God's honest truth. Mm. Well, one of the worst losses of Belichick's career, without question here. And every blowout gets to be a little boring after a while, so I don't necessarily disagree with that sentiment. Dave, what do you say? Well, yeah, I mean, look, the game was boring as hell, but, like, for a game that a lot of – like, I know – I think Buffalo was given, like, 10. Um, and, and, like, to think about what what they were able to do to, to New England was just nothing short of impressive, and it's the exact – you know, Buffalo is that up-and-coming team. Um, and, and I think that uh, – I think that that's really – Really was just kind of driven home. Uh, not no knock on what New England was able to pull off. No knock on the development of Mac Jones throughout the year because he definitely got better as the year went on. Um, I yeah, I, I I just it was it was impressive. But as a non-invested fan, when it came down to 
the game itself and just invested in wanting to watch a playoff football game, like you couldn't have had a more boring game. Like that was just <laughs> it basically like a JV versus varsity game. Uh, and it was it was just a spanking all across the idea all across the field. Yeah. Yeah. We'll move on. I don't think any of us really have any thoughts on the Tampa Bay Philly game because I think it all went exactly the way we thought it would. Uh, Kansas, Kansas City beating Pittsburgh, another one I think we all kind of figured was going to happen. I don't know if you guys have any 42-21 to 21 final score there. Sad way it's for us. It was really like it was like 42-7 to seven and, or something like that in like – into the fourth quarter, it was it was pretty ugly, pretty early. Thirty-five-seven before the second. Um, Four ten left in the third quarter was Pittsburgh's second touchdown. Sad way for Roethlisberger to go out. Not totally surprising though. I don't think. No, he- when you watch him, his arm strength was garbage. Uh, he didn't look like he could throw a pass any longer. It was it was hard to watch, honestly. Like mm. I was really like, wow, you could tell the age. I don't know, Dave, what did, you, did you watch that game? What did you think? I didn't even watch a second of that game. After that Cowboys game, I was done, <laughs> I, uh, done with football for the weekend. This is literally the first time I've invested any energy or time into football since that game ended. So, <laughs> I figured I figured every time you saw a text go up, you probably weren't even looking at it after a while because you're just like, motherfucker. Like, you just like, you just... You just didn't, you, you, you knew what I was doing, and you, you felt a lot of you felt but, a lot of sympathy keeping those memes coming, didn't you, Eric? Yeah. That group text I have with you is not the only group text I'm a part of. So you had to ignore multiple group texts for a few days. <laughs> I, I I had a really long but really fun Saturday night, and I was freaking exhausted. So I was probably sleeping by like I want to say like. 30, 10 o'clock at night on, on Sunday. And mm-hmm. I was up at 8 a.m. and I had 28 text messages. And <laughs> 28, about 23 of them were making fun of the Cowboys. This is why I'm happy I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah. With you, one, of, one of them was actually my mom. And it wasn't even her making fun of the Cowboys. It literally was just, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Just checking on you. (laughs) Come down off the ledge, please. Yeah, let's just say I didn't pay much attention uh, to much. Like, even the uh, Rams-Cardinals game, I I wasn't even watching that last night. Like, Like, I did hop on Twitter to, like, you know, get an update and, like, see where the score was at. When I saw it was a blowout, I was like, all right, well, thank God I didn't invest in that. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'll be ready to watch football again by the time Saturday gets here. Um, but for right now, yeah, we're, we're, I, I haven't paid much attention. I mean, the Rams, Car- Rams blew out the Cardinals. Congrats to Matt Stafford. Um, I think that's awesome, him getting his first playoff win. Um you know, congrats to – I mean, the Chiefs – I saw the highlights of the game. The, the Chiefs just freaking rolled them. Um, but like you said, big, big Ben, you hate to see him have to go out like that. But we all knew last year that if he chose to come out 
come out, come out and play this year, he was going to go out in a negative way. Mm. Like, I'm just glad that Tomlin was able to stay, you know, keep his streak of being above 500 going. Um, and Big Ben was a part of that. Like, I was happy about that. Mm. And it is sad because you think about the way last season ended for the Steelers. And, like, this is the way Roethlisberger's career ends, two consecutive playoff, playoff blowouts. Last year to the Browns, this year to the Chiefs. It sucks, man, because I think we all kind of hold Roethlisberger in terms of quarterback in a pretty high esteem. I think we all think he's – I think he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I don't know about I, What were you saying? I think everybody does. You got you to gotta keep in mind, I mean, that man, that man literally at one point was the hardest guy to tackle in the NFL. Yeah. Like – he was Derrick Henry playing quarterback, like not not legitimately. Like I'm just like, when it comes down to tackling somebody, like that's basically what he was like. I mean, obviously he didn't have the speed of Henry or anything like that, but in general, when it came down to bringing him to the ground, that that's basically what Big Ben was like. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I used to, I used to kind of describe Roethlisberger as the guy. His arm could be falling off. He could be like the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and he'd still be trying to get in and bite you to death while he's on the stub. So uh, he was a, he was a guy you could not keep off the field in terms of toughness there. So, Eric, I'm just getting your text right now, but don't worry. I let you back I'm in. Back. I don't know you, yeah. Yep. No. I'm, I just got the text now, but I had already done it. So, yeah. You want to chime in? We're just talking about Roethlisberger. Ah. Good career. I'm going to try to not think about the off-the-field stuff too much. Well, and, uh, I, I don't know if you were here for it. First ballot Hall of Famer in your eyes? Um, If you're putting him in, in the first ballot, I think there's a case for Eli. Well, yeah. So I, that's where I'm at. If you're going to put him in, then because Eli would technically be what a year two years before him then I would think so I think you got to put Eli in I think the difference between Roethlisberger and Eli and I think why more people may feel Roethlisberger over Eli in terms of first ballot hall of famer Eli was a gamer no question if you want the ball in someone's hands with under two minutes to go you got to win it I would want Eli in that position Roethlisberger was a gamer but he also has the regular season stats that maybe Eli doesn't have. I think that's the difference right there. Yes and no. Um, again, I just don't think you put one in without the other because then the conversation's eventually going to turn to Rivers as well. And does Rivers get it? No. And I think if you put the other two in, then it makes a stronger case for Rivers. But if only one, say if only Big Ben gets in and they hold Eli out. I don't think you could put Rivers in before you put Eli in. So, I, listen, I mean, my opinion I, I on think, Rivers. I think they're comparably, you know, all pretty comparable. I think there were three great quarterbacks who uh, I think will all eventually get in because, the, again, this is the whole, the very good, and the NFL always has to put six guys in or five guys in a year, whatever it is. Uh, that's not So nice. they're going to pick a certain amount of guys anyway. So regardless of the fact, they're going to get in. Roethlisberger probably gets in on the first one. Eli, I'd like to see him get in on the first one. I don't know if he actually does, but Roethlisberger, I do think does. Um, Rivers, if he gets in on his first and Eli doesn't get in on his first, I would have a bigger issue with that. 
I'm going to let Dave comment on this, but I want to say one thing first because I've been consistent on this over the last decade. I think both Eli and Roethlisberger should be in before Rivers, no question. I think if you're going to let Phillip Rivers in, I don't want to hear that Tony Romo is not a Hall of Famer because I don't really see the difference between Rivers and Romo. I got to be honest. They both were great regular season quarterbacks that for some reason couldn't do the same thing in the postseason. If you're putting Rivers in, I don't want to hear that Romo isn't a Hall of Famer. That's just me because neither of them have the sustained success that an Eli and a Ben Roethlisberger do. Dave. Uh, I mean, look, to me, I think Roethlisberger is a, a first ballot Hall of Famer because of his consistent uh, regular season success plus the two Super Bowls. I think Eli is a Hall of Famer. I just don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer because he was very, very inconsistent. Um, he's also one of the few NFL player uh, quarterbacks in NFL history that won a Super Bowl yet retired with, I think, exactly the same amount of wins as losses and losses as he did in the regular season. Um, because his regular season record, he's basically right at 500. His touchdown to interception ratio is basically one to one. Um, and I think that I think that's why Eli's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. What he did in the playoffs when they went on those two runs, that I, I will always, 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 always go back to this when I talk about Eli Manning. That game against San Francisco in the playoffs, him and Alex Smith going back and forth. I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback play a tougher game in my life ever. I, I genuinely. Can I, I give you, can I give you an, one-to-one uh, -one comparative example? Cause I, I heard something today and it's making me think of Eli more and more as you're talking about the type of player he is. And the reason why I think he would be in the hall of fame and it's because I believe that this guy is in the Hall of Fame. Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But to me, Eli, and the way you're talking of him, compares very much to a Kurt Schilling. And who wasn't necessarily overly impressive in, a in the regular season, but was 11-2 in the playoffs with a 2.23 ERA, lights out. Everybody remembers how gutsy he was, the bloody sock and all that's in the Hall of Fame with him. Uh I think that that's almost as good a comparison for a guy like Eli and his getting into the Hall of Fame. I know they're two different sports, but comparatively, I mean, very similar in terms of, you know, maybe not overly impressive in the regular season, ridiculous come postseason. And, oh, you know, that's where, you know, when it counted the most, he was the biggest. I, just to clarify, if you're right on that, I do agree Kurt Schilling should be a Hall of Famer. He, he's been on the ballot. I believe this is his 10th year of eligibility. He hasn't gotten in yet for reasons that are not necessarily baseball reasons because we all know Kerr Schilling has a mouth on him and tends to run it off. And that's really, I think he would have gotten in on his second or third ballot if that hadn't happened. And unfortunately, he may not get in. But I don't, I I. That he's being left out for non-baseball reasons. If you look at baseball-wise, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. You think but, that's a good comparison of his style to play to Eli? To go to what Dave was saying about um, Eli, you know, I, I, you know, in the big moments? I can't think of a better one right now, so I can give you that because I get exactly what you're saying with that, and I can go with you on that that one. I mean, Pettit's another you, one. 
Pettit's another one I would throw in there, but I, I don't know if you think of him as a Hall of Famer. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, again, I, I mean, I remember the, the game he pitched with the bloody sock. Like, I do remember that and the toughness of it and, and all that. And just to make sure we're clear here, I don't think I don't think you did, you misheard me, but I do think Eli is a Hall of Famer. Mm. Yeah. I just don't think Eli is a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's it. Like, to me, Eli's in on his second. Honestly, if it got anything past his second, I think that'd be disrespectful. Like, I don't think you have to wait till your third or like, no, with what he did in his career, like, he was average for a lot of his career. But when the games were mattered the most, the games were on the line, clutch throws had to be made. I mean, whether you do the David Tyree throw, you do that one throw out of the end zone to Manningham in their second Super Bowl. Um, like I said, some of the plays he made in that, that game against San Francisco. And I mean, we're just naming the ones that come to mind immediately. Like that San Francisco game alone, he made like 15 different freaking plays. Like, I, I mean, Jesus, like, uh, oh, what was the one against green Bay in Lambeau field where he hit what, uh, Hakeem Nicks, I think it was for like a basically a hail Mary from like their 30 yard line. Um, I, I just, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that I, I do think Eli's the hall of famer. I just think his regular season stats will stop him from getting in on the first, on his first ballot, but kind of going to what you said, Mike rivers, Romo, neither one of them to me should be in the hall of fame. Mm. Uh, I think they deserve ring of honor mentions uh, for sure. the teams. Before. Um, but outside of that, like, Romo broke every Dallas franchise record and, and Dax basically broke each one of them in, in his just his first six years. So. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you on that. I listen, there's not really much too much more I can throw in on that. And Eric, I, I was looking, I was looking up previous hall of famers to see if anybody's a better comparison than that. Now that Sheldon one's pretty good. Sheldon one's pretty good. Um, we can move on though. It is almost eight o'clock. So I know we I know we want to get to picks here. So I think that's where we'll go next. Let me just pull up the schedule for this weekend. And yeah, no, I I we all said it at least once. Why they felt the need to call this weekend super card wild card weekend makes no fucking sense. No, no sense whatsoever. It's a wild card weekend. Just call it what it is. Not really getting too many casual fans at this point. The only people who are really watching the first round of the playoffs are the diehards anyway. So, anyway. All right. Picks. Now, I already kind of said where we ended up, at least. Me and uh, Mr. Schmelrose there. We went 5-1 and one last week. But I know you and Dave want to know where you guys are. I already are. know. He got, he, he got he's two games up on me. Well, yeah, I don't he, want to. No, he got, he got it. You didn't get, he didn't get two games up on you. Three? Because you went, you went no hand hand, you went three and three this weekend. You picked okay, so one you you yeah you picked the Raiders, the Patriots, the Bucks, Dallas, Kansas City, and Arizona. Dave picked Cincinnati, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Kansas City, and Arizona. So yes, you were at three and three there. Dave was at four and two. We're carrying the regular season into here. So yes, Dave is now up eighty two to forty nine. You are eighty one and fifty. He has a one-game lead over you. I'm in third place, and Schmel Rose is in the back at fourth place there. All right, so let's get into the games this week. First one, 
Saturday at 4.30, Cincinnati goes into Tennessee to take on the Titans. And I tell you what, you know something? Just because I feel like it after our little discussion before, what the hell? I'm going to take Cincinnati. I think they got some momentum coming in off that win last week. Whether they deserved it or not, that's another story. They're feeling good. Burrow, Boyd, Higgins, and Jamar Chase. There's a very good wide receiving core. You got the good running back and mixing. It will be interesting to see if the defense can hold up there. I want to know what condition Derrick Henry is coming back in. And that's the reason I can't pick Tennessee here. Yes, it's great they get Derrick Henry back. Is he rushing himself back? Is he going to be able to do the things that Derrick Henry does when he's at full strength? That's the reason I can't go with Tennessee on this one. So I pick Cincinnati. Eric, you go ahead. I think he's coming back and he's going to be a manimal and he's going to uh, lead Tennessee to a victory. So give me Tennessee. All right. Dave. Ooh. Um, oh, I keep saying I think since he's the scariest team, I think Tennessee is the best team fitted for the playoffs. Um, that uh, they are uh, – the last two years, they've been the scariest thing team going into the playoffs, I think, in my opinion, just because of how tough they play football. Um, I am going to take – yeah, give me Tennessee at home. All right. I really want to go with Cincinnati. I just, I just think the inexperience is going to wear them down as the game wears on. Fair enough there. And the night game on Saturday, San Francisco goes into Green Bay to take on the Packers there. And, you know, the way it went in the 90s, at least when I started watching football, because I started watching as a full-time fan after the Cowboys won their two Super Bowls, my first playoff experience was watching that conference championship game where the Niners beat the living shit out of uh, the Cowboys there. But what we knew at the time was proven the year after. Yes, the Cowboys could not handle the Niners once they got Dion and Steve Young and all those guys there. Um, the Packers would destroy the Niners, though. So I'm going to say Green Bay here and let history be my guide. Dave? Yeah, you got to go with Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Eric. The pack. The pack. Uh, <clears throat> On Sunday at 3 o'clock, the Los Angeles Rams go into Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. And while I'm happy that Matt Stafford did get his first playoff that win, that was very nice. I'll tell you this. I think the key for the Rams to win, it'll be very interesting to see because we always talk about how do you beat Brady? You bring the pressure on him. And what we saw in that Monday night game last night was the Rams got no problem bringing pressure on the quarterback. They were all over the place on Kyler Murray there. If they were able to create that type of pressure with Miller and Donald and all the guys they got there, I think it's going to be a very tough game for Brady. However, I cannot pick them right now because how do you, how do you pick against Tom Brady right now? So I'm going Buccaneers on that one. Eric. Not you got I'm not first. What? You got to make me go first. No, you went first last time. I'm going back and forth. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, you cool. picked the Packers first. 
yeah. I'm going Bucks here. I got to be honest. Give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because uh, <laughs> I just I'm not going to bet against them until they lose. Right now they're five and zero in the playoffs under Tom Brady. They know what they're doing. Um, granted, they're down some weapons, but other people step up. Are you kidding me? After last week's game and some of the miscommunication on some routes with with uh, forget the receiver's name off the top of my head, Taylor maybe. Um, Miller, uh, Scott Miller. No, not Miller. There's another one. Um, either way, the, there's some routes that just weren't run quite right, or, or the same way that he's used to with other receivers. I think he's going to work all that stuff out in practice this week. Um, and you know, he, he, he's used to not having a ton of weapons around him anyway, and he's still got more weapons now than he ever had in new England. So I think he'll be okay. They should get Leonard Fournette back next week as well, I believe. So, um, I'm not betting against him. Give me, give me Tampa Bay. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, so I actually thought this would be a game me and Eric why why I wanted to go first was to make sure that I could give Eric an opening to make up a game because I think we picked every one of them the same. Um, you guys did, yes. So, ironically enough, though, this is going to be an opportunity for Eric to, to tie me up with uh, three games left to pick in the year because uh, I'm going to go with the Rams, and I'm going with them for two specific reasons. Nothing bothers Tom Brady more than pressure up the middle. That's Aaron Donald's specialty. And Tampa Bay most likely will be without their starting tackle, Worf or Worf. I'm not sure how to Worf. say it. Is it Worf's? I think it's Worf's. Yeah, I think it's W-A-R-F. And if I'm saying it wrong, I apologize. Anybody out there listening to us, we, we don't get paid for this for a reason. Um, but anyway. Lack of sponsors. <laughs> But no, on some real shit, like I I just think that that's really going to hurt Brady and that offense and that defense, though they are very, very talented. The one area that they lack the most amount of talent is in their secondary. And and that's where the Rams want to take advantage of you. So I I really think everything points in the Rams favor. uh, And I'm going to take the Rams to, to pull off the upset in Tampa Bay. All right. All right. Now the last game. In what should I, I think this this has the potential to be mo- the most entertaining game of the weekend here. I also thought last year's match between these two was going to be a pretty entertaining game, and that wound up being a shellacking. So we'll see if a year's experience has made Buffalo the wiser for it, because once again, Buffalo goes into Kansas City to take on the Chiefs, not in the conference championship this year, but we still get the rematch. And this is going to be interesting, man. I mean, these are two teams. Buffalo started off the year very hot. Kansas City started off the year very slow. And they both kind of ended up almost in the exact same place. Buffalo, of course, was the wild card team, not the division winner. That, that's, to me, the main difference here. I think there was a game difference in the record, too. But I don't know. After last week, you would think it's hard to pick against Buffalo, given the way they were able to take out. New England the way they did. The, and Kansas City defense is definitely nothing to shout about. The problem is I just wonder if they're going to be able to push around Kansas City's offense the way they did Mac Jones and New England's uh, offense last week. So that'll be the difference there, just like you can't bet against Tom Brady. I'm not willing to bet against Patrick Mahomes just yet. They were the team I picked to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. So give me the Kansas City Chiefs. Dave? 
Yeah, I mean, Buffalo, the way they played against uh, New England really kind of makes you want to pick them. Mm-hmm. It really, really does. The way Josh Allen played, the way they played on defense. But they also faced a Pittsburgh team that knew they were playing for their quarterback, but after two weeks in a row of doing it, I think they lost the momentum. The scariest thing is a confident, cocky Kansas City team. Mm. And that's why I have to take them. I got to take the Chiefs. I, I, think, I think the Bills have the ability to win. And if they win, I will not be shocked by it at all. But kind of like how Eric said about going against Brady, Mahomes and Andy Reid, what they've been able to do together, nothing short of amazing. And I don't think that stops in the divisional round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's kind of funny. Cliff Kingsbury went, what was it, I think 15-18 with – Patrick Mahomes is his starting quarterback uh, in college, and look at what Andy Reid's doing with him in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, that's one coaching thing. I know we dived into Dallas and their coaching stuff, but Kingsbury now, two years in a row, started strong, fizzled out. We were talking about it a couple weeks ago, and to, to lay an egg like they did against the Rams, a division rival that I believe they swept in the regular season. Kyler Murray looked bad, too. Yeah, he did it not look good. So uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, they got a lot of they got a lot of work to do. Oh, did everybody pick though? Did I pick yet? Did I pick? My no, game? you got to pick. You oh. got to pick. Go. And me, all took the Chiefs. Yep. Yeah, give me the Chiefs. I I'm on that bandwagon too. They're just too good right now. They're clicking on on all cylinders and they're having fun again. Um, they're they're clicking at the right time. They struggled early in the year instead of late in the year, and uh, I think it's paying off for them now. Hmm. Yep, yep. All right, so that's our picks there. I know Shmuel Rose is going to give us our picks, uh, his picks at some point. Dave's um, either going to be two up or we're going to be tied going into championship weekend. Three <laughs> games to pick, brother. Three games to pick. Yeah, I can't even say I'm gaining ground. You're either going to be up two with three to pick or you're going to be – or it's going to be – this is it's going to come down to it. It's going to come down to that one game. Nice. I, I, look, in all honesty, I hope I hope it comes down to the Super Bowl, and me and you, me and you are split on it. I, I mean, I really do, but <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, in all honesty, if it gets to that point, me and you might as well throw like five, throw a joint on it, or you know, ten bucks. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's nice. That's nice. I'm down. Eric, I know you got to get out of here. I want to bring up one thing to you real quick because I've heard this a bunch this week, and I'm I'm curious on your feelings about it. So we talked last week, Flores being out with the Dolphins. We talked about we thought he'd be a good fit with the Giants. Now you got the rumor that apparently Flores has been in touch with Deshaun Watson. And the big rumor is if Flores comes to the Giants, which still remains to be seen, he would want to bring Deshaun Watson with him. No, thank you. It's a scary situation. Given everything no, that's going to watch. Yeah, no, 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 thank you, because I'm not giving up all our first round draft picks just to bring in this guy. And now we're going to leverage the future of the team just to bring in. No, I'm out on that. Not, I'm more interested in the Giants bringing in, in bringing in uh, Buffalo's 
Sean, Sean, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but either way, the Buffalo assistant GM they brought in today for a second interview. I'm more interested in that because at least you can see Buffalo is building a team there. Um, I'm more interested in maybe him at the moment than I am. And you have to get a GM in place before you can even think about a head coach. Uh, so I'm hoping that they figure that aspect out first, but no, I don't want the combination of Brian Flores and then him trading away our future to bring in Deshaun Watson. I'm good on that. I'm by, I don't need that. What were you saying, Dave? All I was going to say is that's a pointless trade when you can build up that offensive line. Uh, you bring Deshaun Watson and put him behind that O-line. Look, he'll, he'll be better than Daniel Jones, but he'll still be running for his life and, he may be athletic, but honestly, I think Daniel Jones is arguably the fastest quarterback in the league outside of Kyler Murray. I, mean, I might be not thinking of somebody else, but I mean, Dan, like Daniel Jones can run for his life and, and stay alive. Deshaun Watson can run for his life. He's going to get caught by some players. Mm. I just wouldn't think it was a good idea because given everything that's gone on with Watson, now you're bringing him to New York with that spotlight and everything, not just the spotlight, but the nightlife. No, thank you. Too many ways that could go wrong. So. Yeah, there's a lot more uh, massage, massage parlors with happy endings in New York than there are in Texas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not uh, playing that game. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, out of curiosity, before I let you sign off here, how far are you on the fourth season of Cobra Kai? Episode five. What do you think so far? Short version. Uh, I think the cheesiest of all cheese when they knock each other out you know rocky apollo style at the same time i think it's a little silly oh you can't um, you, you're really telling me you don't think this season's better than everything else you've already seen my hatred for that for job for crease is like you don't even understand it it almost pains me to watch at this point. Like I keep watching because I, again, I do enjoy the nostalgia. I do laugh at some of it. Like I just, you know, uh, Johnny Lawrence makes me laugh. I can't help it. He's just too, too. He's great. Like, He's great. You know, He's the best part. Of the all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. John Kreese though is the worst part of the show. And I mean, silver I can deal with whatever. I, he doesn't bother me as much. Just looking at John faces or John Kreese's face just invokes a rage in me that I just can't even tell you. And there's I'm just certain very... characters like I've told you that do that, like Clay from Sons of Anarchy and King Joffrey from Game of Thrones. And like there's certain characters that just evoke that emotion of just I pure hate this person. Like, I don't know him. I'm sure he's a lovely man in, in the real world. But as as the character John Kreese, I want nothing more than than him to be six feet under. Like I'm very curious I, to see your feelings on the end of this season. I am very curious to see this because you're probably gonna know that I'm gonna hate it because it's gonna be all about him or something. I, I, listen, I don't, don't, I don't I think the end it ends with him with six feet under. That's what I'm hoping because I really don't like his face or his character. Yeah, I'm like, not. I'm it, not gonna give. I'm rage. not giving you. I'm not giving you anything one way or another here. I'm just saying I'm gonna be very curious to see what you think at the end of this season. Not giving you anything else. All right, with that. I guess we might. I, Dave, I don't know. Did you have anything else? Uh, no, nah, not right now, man. I, honestly, the Cowboys lost really sucked sports out of me this week. Um, well, then I, the Bulls getting their asses kicked the last yeah, week or so, too. 
Bulls in their last three or four games, I think they've like, I mean, they played the Warriors Friday night and they lost by 40. Jesus. Uh, uh, yeah. Ironically enough, though, they're actually right. Them and the Nets and um, I want to say the Wizards right now are like all within half a game of first place in the Eastern Conference. So mm. you're only you're only a couple weeks from the All-Star break. You're, you're talking almost half the season's been played like. It, I'm, I'm still like, it's been a rough week or so, but Levine got hurt, but thankfully no structural or serious damage. Um, and, and that team without Levine, I, I love DeMar DeRozan. I think the way he's been playing has been unbelievable and I love seeing it, but uh, yeah, you, you, you kind of can see the difference in that team and their ability to execute when Levine's not on the court. So I, I just think right now you're looking at that team and, and they basically need to pray that they're 100% healthy going into the playoffs and they're going to have some problems. Yeah, that's a big loss. I tell you what, Dave, you got a couple minutes? Because I'll let Eric go right now because I know he's got to go. You got a couple minutes? I want to do something real quick. You don't normally get the opportunity to do this. You got a couple minutes? Not that long. Cool. All right, Eric, I'm going to let you out of here because I know you got to go. Eric Tressler, do you have any final thoughts? Stay sweaty, my friends. Till next week. Um, watch some hockey, watch some basketball, and uh, watch some football so we can talk about it all next week. Yeah, you got it, man. And hey, happy early birthday to you, my January twenty. Happy early birthday to you too, actually. Yes. Happy birthday. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you have a good one. Hope it's a good weekend for you. You, my friend. you as you as well. You as well. Enjoy. Um, and yeah, happy birthday and stay sweaty. Stay sweaty, my friend. Yes. Eric Tressler, everybody. See you next week. All right, Dave, you don't normally get to do this where you're the one hanging around and we get to talk about a TV show that has come out recently. And this doesn't have to be long. Peacemaker first three episodes dropped on Thursday. And I know you watched them. I watched them. You and me like, okay, I'm going to clarify. This goes back to 2017 when three Marvel movies came out that year. Guardians Volume 2 is the first one. You didn't hate it. You definitely didn't like it as much as I did. Then Spider-Man came out. You liked it better than I did. Thor Ragnarok came out. You liked it much better than I did. I still liked it. I just wasn't as high on it. My, my feelings of the three Marvel movies got a little down. With each one, yours went progressively up. And we've always wind up having this, this little thing. So with that, we go into Peacemaker. I know we had the same type of exchange when The Suicide Squad came out earlier this year. But I'm interested because I loved the first three episodes of Peacemaker. Let's hear your thoughts. Oh, I thought it was great. Yes. Uh, I genuinely did. Like I thought they had the perfect mix of building a story, giving you a couple things to laugh at, giving you some action scenes, um, making you wonder what's coming next and, and what, you know, what, what should you expect and what should you, you think might happen. Um, I also think Cena is a perfect fit. I, look, I know nothing about Peacemaker, okay? Like, yes, nothing about him. I, I didn't even know the DC character until that that uh, last Suicide Squad movie, mm-hmm. but I think he's great as that character. Like 
the the best way for me to explain it, and I was actually telling a, uh, a friend about this. He almost makes me. He almost. He basically reminds me of DC's version of Deadpool. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I could see that. And I loved the Deadpool movies. Like I genuine hell when they introduced Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool back in that one X Men movie or Wolverine movie. Wolverine like, Origins, yes. Like even then, I thought he was freaking hysterical, and I didn't even know who Deadpool was at that point. Mm. Uh, I genuinely thought the show itself was entertaining and it flowed very, very well. Um, and I really thought that, you know, Cena did a great job with the character. And in all honesty, after the third episode, the first thing I did was Google when the next episode dropped because I'm <laughs> excited what comes next. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I loved it myself, too. I thought it was very well done. Cena is interesting to me as a choice because I know... What, you liked the Suicide Squad? You just thought the ending was kind of bullshit, if I remember correctly? Like, the mo the all the way up until I found out the villain was a giant starfish, I was like, this isn't bad. Like, I didn't hate it. I think uh, Mar Margaret Robbie is, as Haley Quinn is one of the best casting jobs I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, like, there are parts of that movie I enjoyed. The shark was a freaking riot to me. The weasel was hysterical. You you know who um, the shark was voiced by, right? I do not actually know. Sylvester Stallone. That just makes me like him even more. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, yes, there there are things about the Suicide Squad movie I don't hate. I just personally felt there was more there. I guess you would say. Mm. Uh, and I think it could have been done better. I think the villain, there could have been a better option to choose for a villain. Okay. I really liked that Suicide Squad movie. I liked Cena in it. I thought the back and forth between him and Idris Elba was really good. So I went into this, and I'm like you. I, I maybe heard of the Peacemaker character along the way, but I didn't know anything about him. So to, to see this, it really was like, okay, you got an open canvas. Let's see what you're able to do here. And Cena as an actor, I got to tell you, because I saw him in Trainwreck with Amy Schumer. I saw him in Sisters with Tina Fey and um, Amy Poehler. And I actually thought he was pretty good in that one. His acting in this is fucking amazing. And now I'm sure it's because they tailored the character and tailored the script to him and everything. Whatever the reason, he's perfect for this role. And I would argue this might be one of the best acting performances we've seen by a former wrestler, maybe ever. Like, The Rock is a great action star. I don't know if I'd consider him a great actor by any stretch. And Batista is good in the roles he's at, in. I don't know that I'd consider him a great actor either. So Cena's perfect. I think the rest of the cast is really good in this. I like um, the girl, and I, I can't say I remember her name, but... Um, Black, the, the, the black girl, she's awesome in it. The one who was actually Amanda Waller's daughter, we find out. I think they're good for each other. And uh, I want to see where that relationship is going to go. And the blonde, who he's always hitting on, I, I like her in this, too. And that vigilante, when they bring him in. Yeah, no, they cast, they I mean, look, I, I don't know any of these characters. No, uh, yeah. Oh, is the, the, the actors and actresses playing them? 
uh, at least in the first three episodes, did an amazing job with their role. And like I said, the story itself, um, definitely, definitely like where this can go. Um, I just really hope they don't go as off the wall as they did with uh, um, Suicide Squad. Mm. Like, I, I mean, you know, at the end of the third episode, you see, you find out what the butterflies are. Like, all right, very, you know, curious to see where that goes. But, like, I think one of the other things that, like, myself and anybody else watching has to remind themselves of is, like, DC really embraced the alien, you know, what else can be out there world faster than Marvel did. So like they have a lot more roots to that stuff than Marvel does. And and I, I understand why some of these, even the starfish thing, like, like I get that, you know, like it's, it's more embedded in their history. Um, but at the same time, I just, like I said, like I said, it just really kind of, saw that starfish i'm like what the fuck is this thing um <laughs> like it like in all honesty like what, what am i watching like call the military in, drop a nuke on it let's move on like yeah i don't need a band of superheroes to fight this thing i uh, listen i i i kind of like that final fight scene the fact that it was the rat catcher who wound up being the one to win the fight for him i i don't know i i i didn't hate it i didn't hate it look I, 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 I don't i don't argue that it was ridiculous though yeah, I only watched the movie once so far. So, I mean, mm. I'll end up watching it again. And I pro- I will promise you, if my opinions change, I will 100% let you know because I know it'll make you a happy man. Um, <laughs> you know, but like... I, I mean, honestly, I, I and it's funny. I haven't actually watched Guardians 2 since 2017. That one would make me happier. Suicide Squad, it was like, I, I liked it. But let's see. Let's see you get a little more on the Guardians bandwagon there. Uh, see, I've watched Guardians 2 three times. Ah, nothing, huh? Yeah, when, when the whole lockdown life experience started and you were basically just stuck in your house with no life to live, I went through the Marvel timeline twice. Mm. I know we uh, have conflicting thoughts on it. I I miss that. I, I don't have to go to go, go to work and I still get paid for it? Hey, okay, let's do this. Yeah, see, that, that was the thing. I still had to work every day. I, I Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky enough that you know, I still work from home. And when I started working from home all the way back in March of 2020, um, you know, so I'm not complaining about it now. But when that all first started, I was bored out of my damn mind. Mm, uh, I was just so happy I didn't have to deal with the people I was dealing with on a daily basis. Oh, I respect that. I yeah. Mean, hell, same way. I didn't have to deal with the people I was dealing with on a regular basis. All, mm-hmm. all email me or, you know, message me through our internal system. So. It's a lot different than somebody coming up to your desk and just starting to talk to you. Yeah, when you have to clean up after the same people day after day after day after day, it's enough to make you want to snap. So when you're told you don't have to do that, you still get a paycheck. Can we keep this going as long as possible? Just please, please. Are you are you sure? We, we need to quarantine more. We need to do it more. We need to do it more. We need to stay inside. Yes, nobody come out. Nobody come out. Yes, no, fine. What do you mean we have to go back to work? Fuck. Fuck. So... That was me. Reality always manages to find its way back at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say the last month when the reality of having to go back to work came in, killed the whole experience. I was having a good time until that. Because then I just started thinking about all the shit I'd have to clean up. But anyway, um, 
Yeah, I think closing thoughts here. We can we can kill this here. Um, very good so far. First three episodes, I think we're very well done. I am very curious to see how the next five are going to go because I think we're getting five more of these. And James Gunn's fingerprints are all over these. He wrote all eight episodes, directed the first three. I think he's directing two more. So it should be interesting. Clo the, the closing thing I want to say, have you seen Spider-Man Far From Home yet? If, if involved, you know there's going to at least be action. So Hell yeah. Did you see Spider-Man Far From Home yet? I did get the chance to see it. I, I went and saw it not last saturday the saturday before okay so when i said i thought that this was a possibility to be in my this was a top 10 mcu movie for me and you i believe the response was oh, okay that means i'm probably going to dislike it or it was something like that what do you say i probably i, I there, there's a good chance i could put it top five. Oh, you're top five. Oh, okay so you're higher on it than i am I honestly, I, the way the story flowed, the way the the way they did everything, I mean, there were definitely some, you know, like really, that's what you decided to do moments. Um, but for the most part, there were there were a lot of moments in, in that movie that I was just I was just in love with that mu that movie. Mm. Um, you know, well, with, the the way they. The Doc Ock, the Doc Ock with uh, Electro at the end, that was probably my biggest, like, really? That's that's the route you went? Um, ah, okay. Like, I don't know. The, to me, the Spider-Mans were supposed to be the ones that won everything and, you know, did it together. So that was probably the only, like, like big, like, ah, I'm kind of disappointed in that. Um, but outside of that, I mean, that fucking, that movie... I'd go see it again. Well, I would spend the, you know, 18... It's ridiculous how expensive a movie is. Um, you know, I would go spend the $18 just to go see that movie again. Like, I hate the fact it won't be on Disney Plus for probably over a year. Like, I hate mm. that. Yeah. Hate. I could still get them for 10 bucks. I got one. I got one about 15 minutes away from me that I saw that, I saw that movie and Scream 5 at, actually. Uh, 10, bucks, 10 bucks a pop. So I got that. Yeah, no, I loved Spider-Man Far From Home, and I'm not even a big Spider-Man guy, but yeah, no, nah, when um, it never made any sense to me, you're going to bring in the bad guys, but you're not going to bring in the good guys from those old movies. Like That just never made any sense to me. Forget all the rumors that were out there and everything, but the way you do it is so important, and the way they brought, and we could say spoilers now, Tobey Maguire and uh, Andrew Garfield into it, was fucking perfect and the three of them on screen had such great chemistry together i i loved seeing them together that was the best part of the movie for me oh come on andrew garfield he looked like a little child in that movie he looked so excited to be like oh yeah part of it like it was no they 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 did an amazing job with that movie in my opinion and it's something that like that is that like for example like i literally just uh maybe a week or so ago i was i didn't want to like have to put on anything that I had to like sit here and pay full attention to. So I put on the original Spider-Man or not original Spider-Man. I'm sorry. The original, uh, Iron Man. Okay. And that, that to me is where I see this Spider-Man falling. Like it, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be one that I can watch countless amounts of time and never get bored of watching it. Never care. Like, 
like just being happy it's on. Um, so yeah, no, I, I was a big fan of it. I'm glad I got the chance to see it. And in all honesty, if it was only 10 bucks to go see it, I already would have went and seen it again. Nice. Nice. I'm curious and we can end this. I'm not keeping you out. I'm not going to keep you on too much longer here. Your top five MCU movies. Let's hear this. Oh my God, Mike. Um, oh, you know, you, you know, you could do it. I know you guys say you never think top five. I know you can do it. Uh, are we talking like only MCU, like, you know, the, the MCU universe, or we yes. like all acting yes. in, you know, the X Men movies? No, and- no, 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 no. Just the MCU, just from Iron Man to Spider Man Far From Home, just those movies. No X Men, no previous Spider Man movies, no other movies other than the actual MCU. All right, and this is in no order. I'm sorry, because there's no way I could actually rank these right now. But the original Iron Man, Civil War, Infinity War, Uh, Would it make you feel better if I did mine so you had a little bit of time? Can I count Infinity War and Endgame as one movie? Because they basically were. <laughs> if you, you know, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I don't, I don't look at it that way, but I'll allow it. Because I mean, if I'm counting them as one, then I could ease. I'll just simply say that would be my number one. Mm. Uh, just bringing everything full circle and the way they did that movie, I thought it was fucking amazing. Um, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I'm pretty I, right now, and maybe just because it's fresh, I'll, I'll put uh, put No Way Home in there. What about uh, Winter Soldier? No, Winter Soldier wouldn't crack my top five. Really? It'd probably be like number six or seven, but it wouldn't crack my top five. No. Wow. Okay. Because that I, would like Go I ahead. put I put Age of Ultron above uh, Civil War. Blasphemy. Uh, Age of Ultron, or do you mean the first Avengers movie? Oh, that's another one. Jesus, my, I don't fucking know, man. I love them all, damn it. All right. I, no, listen, I'll just tell you. My top five. I love them all. Well, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll actually, I'll tell you my top eight. And then because Spider-Man would probably be nine for me. Number one is Endgame. Number two was Winter Soldier. Number three was Guardians, the first one. Number four was Civil War, five was Infinity War, six was Ant-Man, seven was the first Iron Man, eight was the the first Avengers. I might swap seven and eight, actually. And then Spider-Man Far From Home would probably be nine. And your favorite, Guardians 2, would be number 10. Yeah, see, I just, I can't... My issue with Civil War, uh, not Civil War, um, Winter Soldier... It, it was that final scene between him and and Bucky that just ruined that. that it just ruined that movie for me. What? Because I'm with you here until the end? Just the, like, the unrealistic emotional connection between the two of them. The fact that, you know, Bucky is this badass murderer and him just saying, I'm here with you till the end 
gets Bucky to save his life and just like if Bucky was the character they built him up to be that entire movie, Bucky would have let his ass drown and moved on. So I just I, I don't know. It, like there, there's just and don't get me wrong, I genuinely do enjoy watching that movie. I just that that was a big I had a big issue with that that end scene. That really bothered me. Um I, listen, I, I that would be another hour if I decided to go back at you on that because I don't I don't agree with you on that. But we'll we'll just I'll just let you have that. We'll end that there. All right. Well, this was fun. You don't normally get to hang around and do these things with us. This is normally what we do after you leave. I well, I I am glad we could share this experience. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to have you included on these things. So you know. Happy I was able to let you do that a little bit here. I, I would, it would be awesome to have you more when we do these little TV things at the end of the show. But I think it's time for us to get out of here. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening to us on all our various podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Thank you to Eric Pfeiffer and Eric Tressler for being here with us earlier. Let's do some final thoughts. Dave Hastings. Hey, my man. Always a pleasure to be here. As Eric said earlier, happy early birthday. I'll obviously be on your birthday. I won't miss that. Um, What'd you say? I said, I'll obviously make sure to text you on your actual birthday to wish you a happy birthday. You always do. um, You know, besides that, always a pleasure being here. Yeah. Thank you to anybody that's out there listening to us. Um, And yeah, until next week. Yep, absolutely, man. We'll see you next week. And I am Mike Agliloro. Thank you, everybody, once again for listening. We will see you all next week.